0: We care about putting the people first. So we try to do the right things. If we go into a property and the house is one we probably shouldn't buy, they probably should list it. After we talk to him, we'll tell him that. Best
1: ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, I'm pleased and honored to be introducing you to Trevor McGregor. You recognize his name. He's been on the show multiple times. Just search Trevor McGregor, Joe Fairless, and you'll hear his interviews that I did with him and he adds a lot of value during those interviews. Well, he's had a lot of value in my life. For the last five years, I have hired him to be a consultant to help me with my real estate business and just personal stuff too as a life slash business coach. And he's taken my game to a different level. Before I hired him, I had four single family homes. And oh, by the way, I was also single. Fast forward to today, my company controls over $300 million worth of real estate. And I am happily, happily married. Clearly, results are going to vary. But he has helped me in five years do things that i didn't even have on my radar so i suggest that you speak to trevor mcgregor if you're looking to take your real estate investing business to the next level if you've had success and are looking to build on that success then he's your guy go to TrevorMcGregor.com or coachwithtrevor.com and you'll be able to apply for a conversation with him, coachwithtrevor.com. We used to do a free consultation. We got too many free consultations, and he actually is pretty full with his consulting program, and he's very conscientious about the value that he adds. He wants to add tremendous value, so he's being very selective with the people who he does work with. So go to coachwithtrevor.com and apply to have a conversation with him, and then you two can decide if it makes sense to work together or not and hire him as a consultant. It has impacted my life in a tremendously positive way. Him and his wife have gone to my wedding. Trevor's been to my conference a couple years, and I know him well, and I suggest that you get to know him as well. CoachWithTrevor.com Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Elliot Smith, how you doing, Elliot? Good, thanks. My pleasure. Nice to have you on the show. A little bit about Elliot. He and his wife own a real estate investment company called C&E Real Estate in 2007 They flipped 28 homes with a gross profit of $497,000 while working under 20 hours a week based in Vancouver, Washington. So with that being said, Elliot, you want to give the Best Ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus?
0: Yeah, and that was actually 2017, so last year, not 2007. But what we're doing basically is we go direct seller for most of our properties and we're buying and rehabbing them in the Vancouver market, and also Eastern Washington and Tri-Cities. We have a full partner in Vancouver that helps manage the rehab process, and then we're solo in Tri-Cities. So we will wholesale sometimes, but mainly we're just going direct seller, buying properties at a discount, and then fixing them up and reselling them.
1: What are some of the most effective ways that you're getting the homes at a discount?
0: We basically do a lot of direct mail sometimes we'll do some cold calling as well. But for the most part, uh, I think what sets us apart is just our abilities when we're actually dealing with sellers. I think we have a lot higher close rate than most people do just because we can feel out what their needs and wants are and help solve their problems a little bit better than most of our competitors can.
1: Can you tell us a specific example? Maybe tell us a story about you doing that, maybe
0: the problem and then how you approached it. Yeah. One, for instance, we sent a letter the brother's, Had passed away, and so we were buying the house from the other brother who was handling the estate. And when we went there to the appointment, there was not just us, but there was a realtor there as well. Now, the property needed work, and so after dealing with them, the other realtor that showed up, she knew us and our credibility, so she's like, Hey, you probably should work with these guys, even though you could probably list it and get a little bit more money. But at that point, we were able to solve the problem with no inspections as is and kind of buy it on his timeline and be patient for him. The guy did nickel us up a little bit, but we still got a really good deal, but we were able to be there at the right time and not pressure him, not have to have the deal. And I think that's the important thing is if we get the deal, great. If we don't get the deal, then that's okay too. So we're never pressuring anybody to sell us their property. We just basically, when we say it's on their timeline, it's totally on their timeline and we're not, pushing them, pushing them, pushing them to sign. We're making them feel comfortable that, hey, we are the right choice, we are professional, and this is how we can provide value to you.
1: How do you balance the desire to close deals with not having a pressured
0: timeline? I think that balance comes from the way my wife and I live our life. We live basically debt-free. The only debt we have is our small mortgage and then rentals, and we live well below our means. And so we don't have to close a deal. So if we get the deal, that's great. But if we don't, we don't need that to live. So I think that really sets us up for success in that realm, because we're not saying, oh, I got to have a deal because I got to pay my car payment or my high mortgage payment or these things next month, because if not, I can't afford it. And so I think that really puts us in a solid situation to be patient. And if the deal comes, the deal comes. If it doesn't, then that's okay too.
1: Can you tell us the numbers of the last deal that you did?
0: Well, we have six going right now that we're working on right now. I can talk about that one that we was just talking about, we solved that problem. We bought it for 110. We're probably going to be all into it for 50k on the rehab, and we pre-sold it for 235. So we'll be all in at 160. pre-sold it for 235, so take off a couple commissions. We're probably going to make right around 60 somewhere in there to that land.
1: Over what period of time from start to finish?
0: We bought it in November, and the only reason we haven't closed on it yet is because of the 90-day FHA, so we'll close 95, 96 days.
1: You close in 95, 96 days. Okay. Wow. Three months, $60,000 profit.
0: And that's a split. with I have a partner on those ones in Vancouver, so I split everything with a partner.
1: Okay. And how do you structure your partnership? Who does what?
0: I'm pretty good at finding the deals and dealing with the homeowners. And he's good with the homeowners as well. But we run the marketing. We run the phone calls. We run set up the appointments. And he's really good at putting them back together and managing the rehab process. So he'll put them back together, and and then he'll sell them. And then we'll kind of split them 50-50 from there.
1: You find the deals, and you secure them. And then it sounds like he does the rest.
0: He puts them back together, and then he'll sell them. Yeah.
1: Cool. Is that where the less than 20 hours a week thing comes into play where you flip 28 homes, but less, yeah. work less than 20 hours well, a week?
0: Yeah, that was totally 2017. We moved back to our hometown. So we were trying to do it. We we're going back and forth between Tri-Cities and Vancouver, but this year we're kind of ramping it up to do it and trying to do work more hours just to build up our reserves more and learn more. Because a lot of the time consuming stuff is We do a lot of time-consuming stuff on the front end for answering phone calls, doing the marketing, things like that. And then his stuff is time-consuming, putting them back together. So we kind of split that up. And I also have my wife, who she runs half of our business. So put us both together, we're probably working 40 hours a week. So, But she runs half and half for us.
1: Okay, got it. So between you and your wife, you're working 40?
0: Did I hear that correct? She's probably working 20. I'm probably working 20. And we work different times, so I'm very up and down salesman more like, and she is more linear task oriented. Mm -hmm. And so she's way more structured. (laughs) And then I'm more like, I'll burn out, work all day, and then I will not work for a couple of days or I'll just like do minimal stuff Mm -hmm. and then I'll go golfing. And she'll be like, no, I'll just work four or five hours a day, get my stuff done. Here's what I got to do.
1: How come you three decide to f- fix and flip versus wholesale primarily? I know you do wholesaling, but why not wholesale exclusively?
0: Because I feel like we have the opportunity and we have the financing and the, the money that we can make extra money. Again, it goes back to we don't need to make a check right now. So if we can hold it and flip it, then we can make five, ten thousand dollars $10,000, $20,000 more, $30,000 more than if makes more sense to load up the pipeline that way for us.
1: What are some things that have evolved over your business as you've gotten the system down better and better?
0: I think just dealing with the sellers has gotten better. The follow-up has gotten a lot better. We finally hired an assistant last year. And so she's been a big part of our business. And then just really bringing the partner on, especially with moving back home and being three and a half hours away from Vancouver, my partner's invaluable. And so just the team, I think, that we've built over the last three years has really been the most important part. We're way better as a team than we would be just my wife and I. And I think everybody adds so much value in their own core area that they focus in. And as long as we stay in those areas, then we're very successful. And so just trying to learn that. And then also learning how to work with your wife, which is not the easiest thing in the world that took a lot of time and learning the system and how to work together, I think has really paid dividends as well.
1: What's some advice you have for someone who is looking to start working with their husband or wife?
0: I think that you really have to set your expectations, who does what. And the biggest problem is I'm very visionary and she's more like implementer. So if you look at it the wrong way and that you 're not equal and say, "Hey, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this," and you forget everything they 're doing, then your wife tends to or your other partner tends to think, "Well, screw you you 're not seeing what i 'm doing on a daily basis i like, 'm doing all the little things that have to get done, and you 're just trying to focus on just big things mm-hmm. and so really trying to line out okay, what are our roles, and who makes decisions in each area so that 's really important so that way, somebody's a boss of something, but we're both the boss together, the whole business. So on certain decisions, we make decisions together. And then there's certain areas like marketing, the systems, managing our assistant, things like that, Christy's in charge of. And then I'm in charge of anything that has to do with the sellers, with the buying the properties, which properties we're buying, what's our plan, who we're going to partner with, or how we're going to do it. And then our partner in Vancouver we don't ever question him of what he does when he puts the houses back together. He is 100% in charge of that because he's way better at it than we are. Chris he's good at it, but we tend to do too much. And he's very good at like, here's what it means. And here's how we maximize our return. So mainly just staying in your lane of what you're doing instead of trying to boss each other around. And then also the biggest thing that we have to get over is if we give feedback to each other, it's not that we're attacking each other, but sometimes it can come off like that, like, oh, I'm attacking you or you're attacking me because I'm not doing enough or you're saying I'm not doing enough or and I'm saying you're not doing enough. And so definitely hard, especially with our personalities where I'm kind of more that bipolar, super high and super low personality. And she's a very linear personality. It was very difficult.
1: Very helpful. Thank you for sharing that. That's for sure. When you were talking about how your business has evolved, you said the follow-up with the sellers has gotten better. Can you elaborate a little bit more about that?
0: Yeah, when we first started, I was working 70 hours a week. and So I was only on time for the low hanging fruit. So if the seller, I knew there were some motivation factors, then I would push them and that would be the leads that I would chase. But the leads that came through that were like warm leads that hey, I might sell in a couple months or I might sell in six months, I would forget about them because most of the time I'd answer the phone while I was driving and I didn't have a good system to follow up with them and then they get lost and then all of a sudden you just waste some money on a leave. I answer all my calls through call rail and then we send all our calls go through there. She'll go back and listen to our calls and take notes for me, enter everything in Podio and then actually goes physically on my calendar and sets appointments for me to follow up with people and what do I need to talk to them about. So she's basically forcing my hand to follow up with people because I do forget. So she goes through, and I also would not always put the correct information in the CRM. So she'll go put the correct information in the CRM, let us know if it's a lead or take me off the list, and then what we talked about, and then, hey, you said you would follow up in two weeks. Mm -hmm. So then I'll follow up in two weeks and try to go over that.
1: What a smooth system. I haven't heard of one as efficient as that. um...
0: And then she'll also sometimes on leads that we haven't heard from for a while, She'll just go through and spend a day and just follow up with leads that we talked to like a year ago and just be like, hey, just touching base with you and just seeing if we can retrace and refine, find some motivation from people that we talked to a while ago as well. So she's really good on the phones as well. So if I can't do it or if I'm out of the country, she actually answers the phones for us.
1: From a legal standpoint, is it fine to record calls?
0: You need to tell people that you're recording the phone calls.
1: Okay. Whenever they call you like, hey, I'm recording this just FYI for what do you say exactly?
0: Just, hey, this is being recorded. It has an automated thing on that. says, hey, this is being recorded. Do they ever ask you why? No. It's the same as like when you call into big corporations. It's like, hey, this is being recorded for quality assurance. So I've never okay. asked why. Most people understand.
1: Got it. Cool. Good stuff. Based on your experience, what is your best real estate investing advice ever?
0: I think really getting good at talking to sellers or talking to people like, Do you have a heart for people or are you just chasing the dollar? And I think that's really the key that sets us apart is our whole team. We care about people first. And then after that, then if we make a profit, that's what runs our business. But we care about putting the people first. So we try to do the right things. If we go into a property and the house is one we probably shouldn't buy, they probably should list it. After we talk to them, we'll tell them that. So we never try to force people to sell to us. And so we actually care about people. And I think that's an important thing to have.
1: Can you tell us a specific example of when you walked into a house and you said this should be listed instead of selling to us? And just tell us why and some more details on that.
0: Yeah, we do it pretty often. So we do the appointment and we walk the house and basically we just have a conversation with the seller. What are your wants? What are your needs? What are your timelines? What are you thinking? What do you need to walk away with? Things like that. And if the house is in good shape, and even if they're borderline, like we could probably buy the property or they could sell it on the market, if they can make more money and their timelines work and they don't need to sell it right away and the property doesn't have that much work so it could finance, then we usually are very upfront with them. And we've actually bought houses where we're like, hey, you can probably get more money selling on the open market. And they say, well, we still want to sell it to you. What's your price? But most of the time, what you run into is people think they can't sell it on the market and they don't have any money to do any repairs and we're like no you could actually go this route and it would finance or you could have some of these repairs fixed at closing so we do it pretty often actually so one example my partner also is a realtor so he can list the properties as well so sometimes we'll say that as well but 75 percent of the time they list with somebody else
1: we're new lightning round you ready for the best ever lightning round yeah All right, cool. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. If you want to hire the guy who I hire to help me with my real estate investing business, then go to coachwithtrevor.com. That's coachwithtrevor.com. The Real Estate Innovators Podcast explores innovation in commercial real estate technology, design, and development. They celebrate the companies and innovators who are changing the business of commercial real estate and are inspiring the future of how we work, live, and play. Find out more at the realestateinnovators.com. dot Best ever book you've read?
0: I would say pitch anything by Orin class
1: Great book. I highly recommend that as well. Best ever deal you've done that's not your first and wasn't your last?
0: We bought one November of twenty sixteen. We bought it for a hundred thousand. We put forty into it. We sold it for two eighty five, and we made one hundred twenty one thousand.
1: How'd you find that one? Direct mail. What's on your direct mail piece?
0: It's pretty generic. All our direct mail comes from open letter marketing, and that's, uh, you know, if, if somebody wants to use kind of what we're using, that's where they can get it.
1: Do you have a process for doing certain number of direct mail pieces to an address?
0: Yeah, we just don't stop mailing until they call us. Oh, really? Yeah, so we mail them every month until they call us. Huh. So that deal actually that I just talked about, we had mailed it for 18 months straight before they actually called us. <laughs>
1: Every month for 18 months straight? Every month. And what type of addresses do you put on your list?
0: We have a pretty big list. We're mailing seven to 9,000 letters a month. So most of our leads are driving for dollar leads where we're just building our own lists. We're driving around building our own list of properties that we're interested in buying.
1: All seven to 9,000, are those all that you've manually put in there?
0: Yeah, I would say 85% of them were all that we manually went and got ourselves. That we went and drove neighborhoods and wrote down addresses.
1: That is a high-quality list.
0: Yeah, it is high-quality. and That's the thing. Most people, they want to just order a list that everybody else has ordered and send the same thing that everybody else is sending, and they expect to get different results. So then they'll mail for two or three months, and then they stop. So we understand that it's a long game, so we want to send quality letters, which we do, and then we want to send it to leads that we know we want to buy. So sometimes people are mail in the same place, but sometimes we lose them. And sometimes majority of the time we're the, the only ones there.
1: So earlier you said you have generic direct mail, but then you just said you have quality letters that you send out. So can you elaborate on the quality letters that you send?
0: It's more just a nicer envelope. We do different letter sequences, different things in the letter. So different fonts, different wording, and we just go through a process. And again, I don't want to get too much in detail just because I'm kind of part of a group that I can't get too much detail in what it actually says. But for the most part, you're basically looking to send a letter that says, hey, my name's Elliot. I noticed you own a house at 123 Main Street. If you're interested in selling, give me a call. A lot of times what you see on letters is people will send out family letters like, hey, my wife and I really want to buy your house. I really want to be in this neighborhood as an investor. We try to make it the letter more about them or more to the point than more about us. And that's the thing I think that really works because you see a lot of these letters that they're all about the investor and the investor's needs and what the investor's looking for. And it doesn't really touch on anything of where it's like, I can solve a problem. I care more about you. And mm-hmm. trying to get that across is not the easiest way. But I'm getting a letter from somebody that's like me. It's all talking about that person. Then I'm like, why am I going to call you? Because I know that you're only looking out for yourself Uh that makes sense
1: yeah it makes a lot of sense i appreciate you sharing that what's a mistake you've made on a transaction
0: oh man i made a lot of mistakes (laughs) sometimes i think the mistake is really when you get to the appointment and you're talking price and sometimes the person will say a price like hey i think it's worth 150 and you're like holy crap i was going to pay 175 so you get too eager Uh i've done that a couple times where i'm like yeah we can do that like you know instead of playing it like hey you know maybe we should actually try to negotiate <laughs> mm-hmm. and so then they'll be like oh maybe I sold it too cheap so really it's just all psychological with, with people right if anybody goes there and they make an offer they, they say a price and the person immediately accepts it then you're gonna be like oh crap I sold it for too cheap mm-hmm. but if has, there's a little bit of negotiation you're gonna feel like you left everybody one
1: has that come back to burn you in the past
0: yeah, I've lost deals that way. What you do is you actually turn the sellers off. Then all of a sudden they're like, now they got to go back and spend six months or a year rethinking this whole thing. Because they're <laughs> yeah. like, maybe I was selling it cheap, maybe I don't know. Like, And then they kind of put their head in the sand uh-huh. and say, well, I don't really know what I'm doing and I don't know who to talk to and I don't know. So trying to get them back to the table is not always the easiest.
1: Uh-huh. Makes a lot of sense. Best ever way you like to give back?
0: I love volunteering. So I volunteer coach on a third-grade basketball team. I like basketball. I like volunteering for junior golf. I'm a big golfer. And my wife and I like just giving back to the community. And we gave 10 $250 gift cards for Thanksgiving this year to just random people that were nominated on our company page. We adopted a family for Christmas and just really trying to be a good friend and always being a person that somebody can count on and trying to do things for others.
1: How can the best ever listeners get in touch with
0: you? I would say your uh, pockets or Facebooks and find me on Facebook. That the easiest way is just Elliot Smith, E L L I O T, Smith, and our company page is Summit Development.
1: And is it your company page is that your company website, summitdevelopment.com?
0: Summit House Buyers okay. is our webpage. And then just Summit Development is our Facebook page. Got it. Um, okay. But I'm on Bigger Pockets and I'm on my normal Facebook page, and most people have been able to find me. I did an interview with another group, and most people have been able to find me that way.
1: Well, thank you for being on the show and talking to us about the evolution of your company and some successful tips that we can implement in our business that have helped you. One is the follow-up and the follow-up approach. Having a process, you answer your calls through CallRail, take notes, and then your assistant listens to them afterwards, take notes, and enters them in the Podio, puts them on your calendar for follow-up. So it's an automated process as well as working with a significant other, setting expectations for who does what, because there will be a division of responsibility, so it's necessary to be clear for who does what. And then the direct mail piece for how to be effective. First, have a high-quality list, and holy cow, your list comprises of driving-for-dollar addresses that you've written down. That is the highest-quality list that I can think of and then make the letter more about the recipient and less about the sender. So thank you for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. The Real Estate Innovators Podcast explores innovation in commercial real estate technology, design, and development. They celebrate the companies and innovators who are changing the business of commercial real estate and are inspiring the future of how we work, live, and play. Find out more at the realestateinnovators.com.